Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to flood the world with God's truth. This year we're looking at the Book of Mormon, another testament of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and looking at how the Book of Mormon can bring us closer to Jesus Christ. And of Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He sits enthroned at the right hand of the Heavenly Father in a glorified body of flesh and bones, as he said to the apostles in the upper room in Luke 24. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And then he proceeded to eat with his apostles. Of him we testify this day. Of him we testify throughout the world. He, the biblical Jesus, is our Lord, our God, our King, our Redeemer, our Savior, our all. Let's look today at what the Book of Mormon will have for us. And we open our hearts to the Lord as here in the year 2024 and let him speak through us through the power of the Holy Ghost so that we may be edified together here in this year and see what the Lord would have revealed to us through the Book of Mormon in the year 2024. Those of you also watching the previous one from 2020, I'm sure is all, are also being greatly benefited as well. And so we would welcome you to continue to watch both videos as we see the will of the Lord revealed uh, to us, both uh, prior to the pandemic and leading through the pandemic and uh, here in 2024, after the pandemic has passed, and we're confronting new issues and, and new trials in the world today. Okay, so let's look here. We'll begin in First Nephi. First uh, Nephi chapter 16, we'll look at 1 through 3, and we'll look at some nuggets of truth here. I think for this lesson, probably the more academic version is the one from 2020. Uh, when we started in 2020, uh, we were looking to teach the scriptures, right? And we, we assumed that the people would be watching this would all be members of the church. And as we started to continue to teach and teach in 2020, we started getting all kinds of messages from all parts of the world about people wanting to get baptized into the church. And so we soon realized that we have a lot of people watching these. Uh, videos who are not even a member of the church, and we welcome you with full open arms to continue to watch with us and continue to learn the will and the mind of the Lord for you as well. And so these now lessons are, while still academic in, in nature, I am an academic by by heart who's, uh, who God has now called to preach the gospel and bring souls unto him. So from time to time, you'll see me go into the academics, but we're trying to stay focused on bringing souls unto Jesus Christ. Okay, so chapter 16, and we'll look at verses 1 through 3, and we get some great truth here. And now it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had made an end of speaking to my brethren, behold, they said unto me, Thou hast declared unto us hard things more than we are able to bear. So at least they're being honest, but so it is with the wicked. They often think that when the righteous talk to them about God and, and spiritual things, that they are uh, declaring unto them hard things. Verse 2, And it came to pass that I said unto them, I, I knew that I had spoken hard things against the wicked, according to the truth. And the righteous have I justified and testified that they should be lifted up at the last day. And we should probably have more of that in our preaching and our in our talks at church, of, of reward, you know, promising those rewards to the righteous, that they shall be lifted up at the day of judgment. Wherefore, the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, for it cutteth them to the very center. That's why they always get offended and, and get upset, right, when you teach them the truth. For they're wicked and they demonstrate their wickedness when they're pricked, when they're cut to the very heart by the word of God, which in the book of Revelation is comparable to a sword, a two-edged sword. So they get this dagger, they get, they get cut with a sword, and they say they're offended. You can't do anything with anybody until they are offended. The greatest offender 
in the scriptures is the Holy Ghost. The second greatest offender is Jesus Christ. We just came out of the New Testament last year where we looked at the real historical, the real biblical Jesus Christ and, and his character and attributes and what he was really like. And uh, he went around offending people on purpose because just like he says here, the wicked take the truth to be hard and cut at them to the very center. You can't do anything with somebody until they're cut to the very center. Then it's up to them. Now, now, once they hear the word of God and they get offended, they get upset, now they get two decisions. They can choose to come unto the Lord and be blessed and be saved, or they can choose to turn their backs against the Lord Jesus Christ and be cursed. Those are the two options, and it's up to them uh, to decide. But until you bring them to that decision point, by teaching them the true gospel and letting it prick their hearts, letting them cut their hearts to the very center, it's only then that they can make that decision. If a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to offend, I don't want to offend them. And what if they get upset? Well, so you're going to let them go to hell because you're worried that they might get upset with you? I would much rather give them a choice, right? So the day of judgment, they will look back on it and know that their family member, their friend, their neighbor gave them that opportunity. They have nobody to blame but themselves at the day of judgment. They could have listened to your words and been blessed, but they chose not to listen to you. Now they have to suffer the consequences, but at least you gave them that opportunity. That's true love. True love is willing to risk relationships, willing to risk, uh, you know, those kinds of things in, in order to bring the truth so that somebody can give themselves a chance to be saved and receive great joy, great happiness as they make, hopefully, the right decision. So we teach them the truth. We pray that God will help them assimilate the truth, work through their offended feelings, and come back unto the Lord and embrace him and his true gospel and be baptized by those who hold the priesthood and the authority of God so that God will recognize that baptism on earth and in the heavens. And verse 3. And now, my brethren, if ye were righteous and were willing to hearken to the truth and give heed unto it, that ye might walk uprightly before God, then ye would not murmur because of the truth and say, Thou speakest hard things against us. He realizes here they have that choice now. They can choose to be righteous. They can choose to accept the word of the Lord. But ultimately here we see that they're going to go against it, aren't they? And so it is with the majority of people. Majority of people will rebel against God when they hear God's truth. But nevertheless, it's God's uh, plan, God's goal to, to save everybody, to give everybody an opportunity to hear the gospel, to be uh, saved. Four through five. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did exhort my brethren with all diligence to keep the commandments of the Lord. And it came to pass that they did humble themselves before the Lord, insomuch that I had joy and great hopes of them. When you bring soul, the sinner to the Lord, the sinner to repentance, it will bring you great joy. Now they may turn back away from that and, and go back from their repentance, but the moment they do repent, it brings you great joy. And great hopes of them that they would walk in the paths of righteousness. Verse 8, and thus my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord, which had been given unto him. I like that, right? His father had fulfilled all the commands. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that about your life, that so far in your life you have fulfilled all the commandments that the Lord has given to you? Boy, if you can say, learn to say that and be able to say that honestly with yourself, how much great joy and happiness and peace it will be in your lives. And also, I, Nephi had been blessed of the Lord exceedingly as well. <clears throat> Verse 29. And there was, uh, so now they talk about the Leahona and the, and the uh, father, uh, uh, Lehi, he wakes up in the morning, he sees this uh, uh, mechanical device uh, in the corner of the tent, 
they look at it and uh, and it's you know there's two pointers and it shows them which way they should go in the wilderness. And in verse 29, there was also written upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which to give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time according to the faith and the diligence we gave unto it. And thus we see that by small means, the Lord could bring about great things. So by having this curious ball of workmanship with pointers, it led them through the wilderness, led this party over to the Americas, and millions of souls came out of their loins because they had watched, trusted in the Lord to follow this little ball. And so that's what he's talking about here. So we see that by small means, the Lord could bring about great things. And in verse 30, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did go forth up into the top of the mountain, according to the directions which were given upon the ball. So the ball told him to go up into the mountain. Now you notice the difference. Remember our discussion last week, where last week he gets into the, he gets into the spirit, right? He gets into some sort of uh, unidentified flying vehicle, just like it's all the way through the Bible, all the way through the scriptures. And God takes him places. God takes him to the top of the mountain. Here he makes him climb up to the top of the mountain. That's kind of funny here, right? So here he says, so he did go forth up into the top of the mountain. He had to climb this time. He didn't get the, didn't get the right, right? Okay, and then he finds beasts that he's able to kill and bring back food to the family. Okay, so moving to chapter 17, we'll look at verse 2 through 3. And so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us, that while we did live upon raw meat in the wilderness, our women did give plenty of suck for their children, and were strong, yea, even like unto the man. And they began to bear their journeys without murmuring. So important part here about that they had to eat raw meat. And the idea was that if you had a fire cooking the meat, the smoke would go up, and uh, other tribes could see that smoke coming up, and they might come and try to rob you, right? So they're eating raw meat, trying to hide in the wilderness and stay quiet as, as they journey through the wilderness. Verse 3, And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled, and if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them, and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. So he gives us commandments as we're faithful to keep those commandments and do our best to fulfill his mission and will for our lives. He will provide the means so that we can accomplish that, whether it be financial means or health or, uh, you know, whatever it is. God knows what it is and will bless you with those means so you can accomplish the mission he has for you in your life. Verse 7. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been in the land of Bountiful for the space of many days, the voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise and get thee into the mountain. So again, right? He doesn't get it. So clearly he knows the language, right? He, he knows how to speak. So earlier, last week, when he keeps talking about going into the Spirit of the Lord and flying up to mountains, we look before Holy Spirit is a, is a spiritual essence it cannot transport somebody physically from point a to point b we saw that before jesus himself got into the spirit and flew out in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days following his baptism it's kind of t tough sometimes on these uh, video lessons because some of you are just joining us for the first time and you're two years behind of all the references we looked at these things all the way through the old and the new testaments and now we keep getting these things also here in the at Book of Mormon. So just stay with us. This will all make sense soon. Uh, we're doing our best to uh, try, try it, but we obviously can't review two years of, uh, of looking at these flying vehicles of God, in which uh, Psalm 68 says that God has 20,000 of these uh, flying objects. Uh, we can't obviously go through all the history of that every time we, you know, in every video when it comes up, right? So but clearly he knows the difference, right? Here he keeps getting commanded, Lord, to climb up to the mountain. Last time he was flying in the spirit of, 
from point A to point B. They don't have the vocabulary. They don't know the word airplane, helicopter, hot air balloon. So some of them have referred to, we saw Elijah, you know, Elisha refers to it as a chariot of fire. You saw Elijah get in, fly up to the heavens. Uh, Ezekiel, a wheel within a wheel. And, you know, uh, so he gave the best description of it. And so, you know, we, we, uh, we get the Moses, all about the, uh, the cloud by day, right? It's a silver uh, looking cloud like object by day and a pillar of fire by night. It had lights as it was uh, hovering uh, overhead uh, at, at nighttime. So we get all these descriptions of these uh, things. A pillar, often they'll refer to as a pillar of light. Uh, so uh, but he, he knows what he's talking about. And so here he's focusing on twice now that he was commanded to climb up the mountain. Right? That was in verse 7. And I rose and went up into the mountain and cried unto the Lord. 13 through 15. And I will also be your light in the wilderness. And I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that you shall keep my commandments. For for inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, you shall be led towards the promised land. And ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. And again, all his promises are always conditional on whether you keep the commandments. I know there's a lot of false Christians out there who think that if they just accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then they can live their life however they want and somehow be blessed. But all the way through the Old Testament, the New Testament, now the Book of Mormon, over and over again, the prophets continue to teach it's conditional upon keeping the commandments. Fourteen, yea, and the Lord said also that after ye have arrived in the promised land, ye shall know that I, the Lord, am God, and that I, the Lord, did deliver you from destruction, yea, that I did bring you out of the land of Jerusalem. Or for I, Nephi, did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord, and I did exhort my brethren to faithfulness and diligence. Twenty-three. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake unto them, saying, so now he's going to give this great uh, a speech here. Do ye believe that our fathers, who were the children of Israel, would have been led out of the hands of the Egyptians if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? No, because it was conditional on them keeping the commandment. Yea, do you suppose that they would have been led out of bondage if the Lord had not commanded Moses that he should lead them out of bondage? Now you know that the children of Israel were in bondage, and you know that they were laden with tasks which were grievous to the to be born. Wherefore you know that it must needs be a good thing for them that they should be brought out of bondage. Now ye know that Moses was commanded, Lord, to do that great work, and you know that by his word the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither, and they passed through on dry ground. But you know that the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea, who were the armies of Pharaoh. And you also know that they were fed with manna in the wilderness. Yea, and you also know that Moses, by his word, according to the power of God which was in him, did smote the rock, and there came forth water, that the children of Israel might quench their thirst. And notwithstanding their being led, the Lord their God, the Redeemer, going before them, leading them by day, and giving them light unto them by night, and doing all things for them which were expedient for man to receive, yet they hardened their hearts and blinded their minds, and reviled against Moses and against the true and living God. And it came to pass, according to his word, he did destroy them, because that was the promise. If they refused to accept him, refused to follow his commandments, they would be destroyed. And according to his word, he did lead them, and according to his word, he did do all things for them. And there was not anything done, save it were by his word. And after they had crossed the river Jordan, he did make them mighty unto the driving out of the children of the land, he entered the scattering them to destruction. The children of the land, remember, in the Old Testament are the children of the giants, right? The uh, descendants of the Nephilim. Uh, these were the descendants of the uh, fallen angels who came down. The 200 of them came down upon, upon Mount Hermon and had uh, uh, such relations with the daughters of mankind, thereby producing the giants in the land. Uh, 
Uh, we see Goliath, for example, in the Bible. Uh, David fought. He's a descendant of these Nephilim. Uh, so we get these Nephilim giants. Remember Moses, uh, when Joshua and Caleb and the 10 other spies went to the land, they came back and they said to Moses, we were just like grasshoppers in their sight because they're such big giants. So those giants, God led these little Israelites just, just escaping slavery uh, to destroy them unto the scattering them to destruction. And now do you suppose that the children of this land who were in the land of promise, who were driven out by our fathers, do you suppose that they were righteous? Behold, I say unto you, nay, right? Now, you know, if they had been righteous, then God would not have allowed the Israelites to come in and destroy them. Do you suppose that our fathers would have been more choice than they if they had been righteous? I say unto you, nay. That's right, because God views all righteous people as the same. Behold, the Lord esteemeth all flesh in one. He that is righteous is favored of God. So if his giants had been keeping the commandments, God would have favored them. But behold, this people had rejected every word of God, and they were ripe in iniquity. And the fullness of the wrath of God was upon them, and the Lord did curse the land against them, and blessed unto our fathers. Yea, he did curse it against them unto their destruction, and he did bless it unto our fathers unto their obtaining power over it. Behold, the Lord hath created the earth that it should be inhabited, and he hath created his children that they should possess it. And he raiseth up a righteous nation and destroyeth the nations of the wicked. You want to be a destroyed nation, of the, then you become wicked and turn your back on the Lord. And it leadeth away the righteous and the precious lands, and the wicked he destroyeth and curseth the land unto them for their sakes. He ruleth high in the heavens, for it is his throne, and this earth is his footstool. And he loveth those who will have him to be their God. You want to be loved by God? And here it is conditional again. Conditional, exactly what we would expect. We looked at this for two years in the Old Testament and New Testament, that God's love is conditional. Now, it's always there, right? He's always standing at your door and knocking. But you had to get up off the couch. You have to go to the door. You have to unlock the door and let him in, right? So, so his love only extends so far. It's conditional upon whether you keep the commandments and whether you let him into your hearts or not. So here it is. Uh, um, here as well that uh, um, where did we uh, leave off here he ruled high in the heavens let's see he loveth the, in verse 4 so he loveth those who have them to have him to be their God so if you decide to let the biblical God become your God and reject the creeds of false Christianity then God will love you right? and he will bless you Behold, he loved our fathers, and he covenanted with them, yea, even with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he remembered the covenants which he had made. Wherefore he did bring them out of the land of Egypt. And he did straighten them in the wilderness with his rod, for they hardened their hearts, even as ye have. And the Lord straightened them because of their iniquity. He sent fiery flying serpents among them. And after they were bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed. And the labor which they had to perform was what? Only to look, right? To look to the cross of Jesus. And because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. They refused to look up at the snake on the pole and on the cross, and so therefore they perished. And they did harden their hearts from time to time, and they did revile against Moses and also against God. Nevertheless, you know that they were led forth by his master's power into the land of promise. And now after all these things, the time has come that they have become wicked, yea, nearly unto ripeness. And I know not, but that they are at this day about to be destroyed. That's why they had to get out of Jerusalem. They were going to be destroyed. For I know that the day must surely come that they must be destroyed, save a few only who shall be led away into captivity. It was Jeremiah who was prophesying that. Wherefore the Lord commanded my father that he should depart into wilderness, and the Jews also sought to take away his life, yea, and he have also sought to take away his life. How horrible. What horrible accusation against the you know, fellow children. That you try to kill your own parents. Wherefore, ye are murderers in your hearts, and ye are like unto them. Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. 
Ye have seen an angel, and he spoken to you, yea, and ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he has spoken unto you in a still small voice. But ye were past feeling, that ye could not feel his words. Wherefore he spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake as it were to divide asunder. So the preferable way for God to speak to you is through this still small voice. However, people can become hard in their hearts where they can no longer feel it. So they continue to live a lie and continue to worship false gods, and they can't even feel the Spirit tell them that what you're worshiping is not a real God. It's not the biblical Jesus. It's not the biblical God, those of you who are blindly following this concept from the so-called Trinitarian creeds, right? You can get to the point where you're past feeling, where you don't even feel what you're worshiping is, is wrong, right? But God will bless you if you would become righteous again and willing to listen to him and willing to find out the truth. He will bring you back to the true biblical God, to the true God uh, and the Savior of your souls. For since you also know that by the power of mighty word, he can cause the earth that it shall pass away. Yea, and ye know that by his word, he can cause the rough place to be made smooth and smooth places to be broken up. Oh, then why is it that ye be so hard in your hearts? Behold, my soul is rent with anguish because of you and my heart is pain. I fear lest ye shall be cast off forever. Because, behold, I am full of the spirit of God and so much that my frame has no strength. Uh, we go on now a little bit here, and he says here in verse 50, And I said to them, If God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And, I, and if I should say it, it would be done. And now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? So they still don't want to. Help him build a ship. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said many things unto my brother, insomuch that they were confounded and could not contend against me. Neither durst they lay their hands upon me nor touch me with their fingers, even for the space of many days. Now they durst not do this, lest they should wither before me, so powerful was the Spirit of God, and thus it had wrought upon them. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, Stretch forth thine hand again to thy brethren, and they shall not wither before thee, but I will shock them, saith the Lord. And this will I do, that they may know that I am the Lord their God. <clears throat> so he reaches forth, and he shocks them, and so even more, they're, they're convinced that Nephi currently has the power of God with them, and they're scared to hurt him. Okay, we'll go on to uh, verse, uh, <clears throat> chapter 18, uh, verse 3. And I, did, and I, Nephi, did go into the mountain often, right? He wasn't, he didn't get into the spirit and go from point A to point B on top of the mountain often as he had had that experience earlier. He's having to climb now, right? And I did pray often unto the Lord, wherefore the Lord showed unto me great things. You want to have great things shown unto you. You want to have revelation. You want to learn through revelation line upon line and precept upon precept. You go to the, and ask the Lord often in prayer, and he will grant this promise to you. 15 through 16. And it came to pass that we were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea. So now they're finally on the boat, and the people, and they're all partying now and dancing and, and having a good time. And the uh, and Nephi tries to preach to him. So this time they, you know, uh, put bands on him. You know, get them all locked up here. And it came to pass that we were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea. So the storm keeps happening now as they continue in rebellion against the Lord. And after we had been driven back upon the waters for the space of four days, so so rebellious were they, and so hard in their hearts. Four days. Huh? My brethren began to see that the judgments of God were upon them, and that they must perish, save that they should repent of their iniquities. Wherefore they came unto me and loosed the bands which were upon my wrist, and behold, they had swollen exceedingly. Also mine angles, which were much swollen, and great was the soreness thereof. So 
what do we learn here? That you know, that just because you're righteous, even if you're a prophet, doesn't mean that you're spared from from all kinds of trials and and bad things happening to you in life. Here, God uh, allowed bad things to happen to Nephi so that He could show forth His power unto them to once again give His brethren the chance to repent and and humble their hearts and come unto the Lord. Even if it meant that Nephi had to get swollen wrists and swollen ankles. Nevertheless, I did look unto my God, and I did praise him all the day long, and I did not murmur against the Lord because of mine afflictions. He understood that he was being used as a tool, as an instrument in the hands of the Lord through these trials. Verse 19. And Jacob and Joseph also, being young, these are now two younger brothers of his, having needed much nourishment, were grieved because of the afflictions of their mother. Their mother. Not our mother. Their mother, right? So what do we learn here, right? We're, we, we keep hearing that Sarah so that uh, Sarai is so old and Lehi is so old, right? And you wonder how could they, they've had children in the wilderness. Well, they didn't. And he didn't say, he didn't say that. Our mother said their mother, the mother of Joseph and Jacob, right? So obviously at some point here, uh, either Lehi already had some kind of concubine or some other kind of wife when they left Jerusalem, or along the way he's acquired a wife or a concubine and he's had these two children with her. So they're the children of, of uh, Lehi, uh, but not through Sariah, through some other woman, their mother. And also my wife, with her tears and prayers, and also my children, did not soften the hearts of my brethren that they would lose me. And there was nothing save it where the power of God was threatened them with destruction could soften their hearts. Why does God pour out judgments upon the world? Why does he cause earthquakes and tsunamis and, and all these horrible natural disasters? Because unless you threaten people with destruction, they won't soften their hearts towards him. He knows that. He's God. He's had great experience for many years dealing with humanity. <clears throat> and let's look at um, 21 through 22. And it came to pass after they had loosed me, behold, I took the compass, and it did work and whether I desired it. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, and after I had prayed, the winds did cease, and the storm did cease, and there was great calm. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did guide the ship that we sailed again towards the promised land. Okay, let's look at chapter 19, and we'll begin with verse 7. One moment, I'll get some water. Nineteen verse seven. For the things which some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and the soul, others set it not, and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel do men trample under their feet. I say trample under their feet, but I would speak in other words. They set him not, and hearken not to the voice of his counsels. And behold, he cometh according to the words of the angel in six hundred years from the time my father left Jerusalem. Got it to the very Date, God is always on time, but he's on his time. And so a lot of times people think that God's late showing up in their lives. But no, he's on time. He's always been on time. He's on time now, and he always will be on time. So 600 years for God from the time his father left Jerusalem, Jesus would be born, and that was fulfilled. And the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him, Jesus Christ, to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they scourge him, and he suffereth it, and they smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him, and he suffereth it, because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of man. And the God of our fathers, who were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, and also were preserved in the wilderness by him, yea, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, yieldeth himself according to the words of the angel as a man, into the hands of wicked men, to be lifted up on the cross. 
according to the words of Zenoch. So this was already fulfilled by prophets prior to the New Testament. And to be crucified according to the words of Nahum, got it exactly right, that he'd be crucified. And according to the words, uh, and to be buried in a sepulcher according to the words of Zenos. They got it all right. But she spake concerning the three days of darkness, which should be a sign given of his death unto those who should inhabit the isles of the sea. And we're going to see that in 3 Nephi. That prophecy is fulfilled again as well. More especially given to those who are of the house of Israel. For thus spake the prophet, the Lord God shall surely visit all the house of Israel that day, some with his voice because of their righteousness and to their great joy and salvation, and others with thunderings and lightning of his power by tempest, by fire, by smoke, vapor, and darkness, and by the opening of the earth, and by the mountains which should be carried up. And all these things must surely come, saith the prophet Zanos. And the rocks of the earth must rend, and because of the groanings of the earth, many of the kings of the isles, out of sea shall be wrought upon by the Spirit of God to exclaim, The God of nature suffers. And as for those who are at Jerusalem, saith the prophet, they shall be scourged by all people, because they crucify the God of Israel and turn their hearts aside, rejecting signs and wonders and the power and glory of God of Israel. This happened in uh, 70 AD. The Romans come, destroy all of Jerusalem, destroy their temple. Uh, there's still one last little remnant left, the Bar Kokhba revolt in 132 to 135 AD. That's then conquered by and put down by Rome. The Jews are then banished from Jerusalem for the next 2,000 years. And because they turn their hearts aside, saith the prophet, and despise the Holy One of Israel, they shall wander in the, in the flesh and perish and become a hiss and a byword and hated among all nations. And for 2,000 years, the Jews were hated by all nations. Nevertheless, when that day cometh, saith the prophet, that they no more turn aside their hearts against the Holy One of Israel. Then will he remember the covenants which he made to their fathers. Yea, then will he remember the isles of the sea, yea, and all the people who are of the house of Israel, like gather and save the Lord, according to the words of the prophet Zenos, from the four quarters of the earth. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Now, remember what Paul said in Corinthians, where there are prophecies, they shall fail. Prophecy is not the same as foretelling the future. Prophecies are conditional. This will happen if somebody were to keep the commandments, for example. This will happen if this or that event were to take place. That's prophecy. That's not foretelling the future. So the will of the Lord was that the Jews would come back to the land of Israel when they began to no more fight against the Lord, but they began to accept him. Now, good-meaning people in the uh, in some governments around the world, uh, mainly the United States and Great Britain, uh, had read the Old Testament, and they had read prophecies that the Jews would be gathered back to their homeland prior to the second coming of Jesus. So they thought after World War II, this would be the perfect time to go ahead and do that. Problem was, the Jews had not turned back to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So... We kind of forced them into this situation. And since then, what, what has happened? What, what, what's going on even here in the year 2024, right? A big war going on right now uh, between the, the, the Arab Palestinians and the, and the Jews uh, and, and, the, and the Jewish uh, population there in the Holy Land. All would be avoided if we had followed the, the full vision of the Lord here. Uh, yes, there would be a time for the Jews to gather back to their land, but not until they fulfilled prophecy by no more fighting against the, no more turning aside their hearts against the Holy One of Israel. From time to time, they keep trying to do legislation and try to pass laws that would ban even carrying a New Testament around in their cities, right? Clearly, they have not turn no more against their against the Holy One of Israel. They still have turned against him. They still have not accepted him as the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So where prophecies are, they may fail. Uh, it would be prophet, it's still partial fulfillment because 
they did return to their land prior to the second coming of Jesus, but not, they didn't accept Jesus first before returning to their uh, land. And all the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord, and we've seen them come in from all over the world, the Jews going back to their homeland. Oh, I just lost my play. And on the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord, saith the prophet. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall be blessed. And I, Nephi, have written these things unto my people, that perhaps I might persuade them that they would remember the Lord, their Redeemer. That's why he wrote these things. So if you read the scriptures, if you read uh, this these the, uh, pages of the Book of Mormon, you will become persuaded that Jesus is your Redeemer. You will build that testimony, that faith in that concept. Verse 19, Wherefore I speak unto all the house of Israel, if it shall be that they should obtain these things. For behold, I have workings in the Spirit, which will weary me, even that all my joints are weak for those who are at Jerusalem. For had not the Lord been merciful to show unto me concerning them, even as he had prophets of old, I should have perished also. And he surely did show unto the prophet of old all things concerning them, and he also did show unto many concerning us. Wherefore it must needs be that we know concerning them, for they are written upon the plates of brass. Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, did teach my brethren these things, and it came to pass that I did read many things to them which were graven upon the plates of brass, that they might know concerning the doings of the Lord in other lands among people of old. Ooh, that's interesting, right? So the brass plates were not just scriptures of people living in ancient Israel, but apparently they contained the dealings of the Lord in other lands, in other countries. So the brass plates really had something, right? They, they really had a lot of prophecies. And so now you got to question some of the Zenos and Zenoch and Nahum and stuff. Maybe they weren't even prophets in the land of Israel. People often think they are because they don't pay attention to, to this verse of scripture uh, here, right? But it's clearly saying the brass plates contain uh, the things, uh, the doings of the Lord in other lands among people of old. Ooh, that's interesting too, among people of old. You mean maybe even some pre-Adamic uh, civilizations as well, perhaps uh, where Job came from, for example, and, and all these sort of things. So that'd be interesting. Uh, we were told earlier that the day will come in which we will get the brass plates. Now, if the brass plates were exactly equal to the Old Testament, there's really no need to get the brass plates. But if it contains uh, records of pre-Adamic civilizations, if it contains records of prophets in other lands outside of the Holy Land, then it might be worth uh, reading and, and be a blessing to us. Verse 23, I did read many things unto them which were written in the books of Moses, but that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord, the Redeemer. I did re read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah. So it's interesting, right? Because the Jews focus their whole time on these books of Moses, right? And here you're learning that uh, what Nephi say here, well, that's, you know, there's some good in that, but that you may be fully persuaded to believe in the Lord the Redeemer, you need to read Isaiah. So if they just focus on Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, no wonder they're having a hard time accepting Jesus as their Redeemer. They got to read the other scriptures as well. For I did like in all things, for I did like in all scripture unto us that it might be for our profit and learning. Wherefore I spake unto them, saying, Hear ye the words of the prophet, ye who are a remnant of the house of Israel, a branch have been broken off. Hear ye the words of the prophet, which are written to all the house of Israel, and liken them unto yourselves, that you may hope as well as your brethren from whom ye have been broken off. For after this manner has the prophet written. Maybe a little bit more water here, and we'll move to chapter 20. Okay, we're getting some Isaiah here. Now, we uh, probably, again, I would imagine if we were to, uh, in my 2020 version, we probably looked more detail here in, in the Isaiah passages. 
We certainly in the we did the Old Testament. We looked closely at uh, at the Book of Isaiah. Here we'll just maybe pick up a nugget of truth here and there through these Isaiah. As uh, we're not looking to make it a scholarly presentation here today, but to see if we can bring souls into Jesus Christ. Chapter twenty, verse eighteen through twenty-two. All that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river. You want to keep the commandments of Jesus, you will have peace as a river. And thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, the offspring that bows like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Your seed shall be as the sand. That's when you become a god and have numerous posterity. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans, with a voice of singing declare ye, tell this utter to the end of the earth, say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob, and they thirsted not, he led them through the deserts, he caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them, he clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. And notwithstanding he hath done all this, and greater also, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Even if it appears that you're being blessed, you will still have no peace as long as you're wicked. You need to turn to the Lord, repent of your sins, and do your best to keep his commandments to have the true peace that only comes from the Lord to those who love him and are keeping his commandments. Chapter 21, now we'll look at uh, 14 through 16. But behold, Zion has said, the Lord hath forsaken me. So when the Babylonians came, destroyed their temple, took them off captive uh, to Babylon. Uh, they're saying now, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me, but he will show that he hath not. And then promise back from the Lord, though you're in Babylon, I will gather you back together to your land in Israel. For can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they, even if they did forget, yet I will not forget thee, O house of Israel. And he did in 538. He brought him back. He rose up Cyrus, the Persian, to destroy the Babylonian empire. And then they brought him the prophecies of Isaiah, and they said, hey, Cyrus, our, uh, our prophet uh, spoke you know, uh, you know, nearly uh, 200 years ago and said that you would be a Messiah of the Lord, you'd be anointed one of the Lord, and you would let the Jews go home and rebuild their temple. And when he saw it, he was so impressed, he let them go back. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, right? Now that's literal, right? He apparently retained the the nail marks in his hands. That's the great grave. That's the graven. Right? He's graven the upon the palms of my hands through the nail marks, and thy walls are continually before me. Powerful verse of scripture here. Twenty-two to twenty-three. Thus saith the Lord God: Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles. So I'm going to scatter you again. You're going to fail to keep my commandments. But in the last days, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Right? That looks like a financial means thing. And that happened, right? The United States and Great Britain given lots of money to Israel to build itself up, build its military, uh, support the people. Are we going to see? It's even greater than that coming up later here. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers and their queens thy nursing mothers. And they shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord. For they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. What a great promise. Okay, so now moving to chapter 22. Verse 
Now we'll look at one through two. And now it came to pass that I that after I Nephi had read these things which were graven upon the plates of brass, my brethren came unto me and said to me, What meaneth these things which ye have read? Behold, are they to be understood according to things which are spiritual, which shall come to pass according to the spirit and not the flesh? And I Nephi said unto them, Behold, they were manifest unto the prophet by the voice of the spirit. For by the spirit are all things made known unto the prophets, which shall come upon the children of man according to the flesh, right? So how do they get the spirit of prophecy? Through the spirit, right? Was, um, and that all things are made known unto the prophets by the spirit. How do the prophets receive most of the revelation for the church? Through the spirit. Does Jesus go to them personally or angels come personally from time to time? Well, to quote Elder Ballard, he once said, it's very rare, right? <laughs> They learn to use the gift of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit to make the decisions for the church. They receive it just like it says here, right? Manifest unto the prophet by the voice of the Spirit, for by the voice of the Spirit are all things made known unto the prophets. They rely upon the still small voice when making their decisions to govern the church. Uh, we'll look at uh, verse 7. And he says, And it meaneth that the time cometh that after the house of Israel hath been scattered and confounded, so after 135 of the AD, after the Bar Kokhba revolt, that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles, the United States of America, yea, and even upon the face of this land, North American continent, the uh, and a lot of people waste their time looking down in Mesoamerica. They're looking in the wrong place. They're looking at the wrong civilization. The scriptures, both the Book of Mormon itself and the Doctrine and Covenants, all state that it happened here on the North American continent, where the current the country in the United States is. Whereas if a mighty nation among the Gentiles, yea, even upon the face of this land, and by them shall our seed be scattered. And when they came, they scattered the, the natives uh, all around, right? And after our seed is scattered, the Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed. Wherefore, it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. So he's saying that while that literally happened, it's the United States and Great Britain doing that and spending billions of dollars in the process. He said that uh, it's also going to be fulfilled, uh, at least among his own people here in the North American continent, by bringing the gospel to them. And it shall be of great worth unto the Gentiles, and not only unto the Gentiles, but also unto the house of Israel, unto the making known of the covenants of the Father of heaven unto Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindred of the earth be blessed. And I would, my brethren, that ye should know that all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed unless he shall make bare his arm in the eyes of the nations. Or for Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of the nations and bring about his covenants and his gospel, the restoration of the gospel brought back to the earth after 2,000 years, unto those who are of the house of Israel. Wherefore he will bring them again out of captivity, and they shall be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness, and they shall know that the Lord is their Savior and the Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. And the blood of that great abominable church, a lot of people would think that the, we're talking about the Catholic Church here, which is the horror of all the earth shall turn upon their own heads. And we've been seeing that here in 2024. In, the, in 2028, when we come back to the Book of Mormon, who knows, right? We'll see what's happened at that time. But this, we have... Here in 2024, every day we're reading the papers, the great opposition that the Pope is having from the different bishops. He's had to, uh, you know, uh, fire a couple of American bishops. He's, uh, you know, he's going after some of these people. He's now trying to uh, pass some, you know, pass some rules to bless um, the, uh, you know, um, uh, same-sex couples and things like that. And that's being revolted against by all the African bishops of the Catholic Church and uh, in Africa and getting a lot of opposition. So it seems to be they are fighting among themselves. 
For they shall war among themselves, and the sword of their own heads shall fall upon their own heads. You know, we'll see what happens with that, right? It almost sounds like an assassination attempt upon their pope. And they shall be drunken with their own blood. And every nation which shall war against thee, O house of Israel, shall be turned one against another, and they shall fall into the pit which they dig to ensnare the people of the Lord. And all that fight against Zion shall be destroyed. And that great whore who hath perverted the right ways of the Lord, yea, that great and abominable church, shall tumble to the dust, and great shall be the fall of it. For behold, saith the prophet, the time cometh speedily that Satan shall have no more power of the hearts of the children of men, for they soon cometh that all the proud, and they who do wickedly shall be a stubble. And they cometh that they must be burned. For the times should come that the fullness of the wrath of God shall be poured out upon all the children of man, for he will not suffer that the wicked shall destroy the righteous. Wherefore he will preserve the righteous by his power, even if it shall be the fullness of his wrath must come. And the righteous be preserved even unto the destruction of their enemies by fire. Wherefore the righteous need not fear, for thus saith the prophet, they shall be saved, even if it shall be as by Fire, what a great promise from the Lord there. Uh, we could probably skip ahead now a little bit here. Uh, verse 20, and the Lord God will surely prepare a way for his people unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses, which he spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that all those who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. And now I, Nephi, declare unto you that this prophet of whom Moses spake was the Holy One of Israel, was Jesus Christ. Wherefore he shall execute his judgment in righteousness. 23. For the time speedily cometh, shall, um, for the time speedily shall come that all churches which are built up to get gain, and all those who have been built up to get power over the flesh, and those who have built up to become popular in the eyes of the world, and those who seek the lust of the flesh and the things of the world, and to do all manner of iniquity, yea, and find all those who belong to the kingdom of the devil, are they who need fear and tremble and quake. They are those who must be brought low in the dust. They are those who must be consumed as stubble. And this is according to the words of the prophet. Wow. And we move down here to 26. And because of the righteousness of his people, Satan has no power, wherefore he cannot be loose for the space of 1,000 years when he's locked up in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years, part of his judgment according to the book of Revelation. Then he's let loose for a season to tempt mankind one last time and also to show forth to God his last chance, whether he's going to turn and follow the Lord or not. After that 1,000 years, uh, he's loose for a season, and then he's then cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever. For they shall dwell in righteousness, the only one of Israel ran. And now behold, I, Nephi, say unto you that all these things must come according to the flesh. But behold, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people shall dwell safely in the Holy Land of Israel, if it so be that they will repent. And now I need if I make an end, for I durst not speak further as yet concerning these things. Or from my brethren, I would that you should consider that the things which have been written upon the place of brass are true. And they testify that men must be obedient to the commandments of God. Wherefore, you need not suppose this, and my father are the only ones that have testified and also taught them. Wherefore, if ye shall be obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, he shall be saved at the last day, and thus it is. Amen. So, great promise here. Well, if you shall be obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, you shall be saved at the last day, and thus it is. Amen. So, we welcome those of you who are not yet members of the church and kingdom of God to keep the commandments, right? To come forward, to meet with the missionaries. Let them know you're ready to take upon you the name of Jesus Christ. Be baptized by those who actually hold the priest and authority of God. You will then receive this peace that the scriptures keep talking about. You will then know that you're on the right path leading back to our Heavenly Father's presence. For those of you who have fallen in activity in the church, we welcome you with full open arms right back to the activity of the 
being one again with the saints of God. Just reach out to your local leaders, to the missionaries, ask them for help in helping you get back into full activity in the church. We again testify the truthfulness of these things which we looked at today. These things are the word of God and the will of God and the power of God unto salvation. In closing, we also ask God's blessings upon you that you may have food to eat. You may have safe shelter overhead. You may have the basic financial resources you need to carry out your mission upon the earth. Bless you with good health. We bless you with all these things. And we do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.